right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Matt Rosenthal, and you're watching Digging In. We dig into what it truly takes to be a success in business, in life, and in health. You're going to hear some powerful stories on today's show, and I really do hope you can use some of this information to reach your potential. I hope today's show truly inspires you. I hope it truly educates you. That's the reason that we do it. Today's show is five traits successful people have in common, and I've got somebody on the show today. His name is Jason Gallen. He is a perfect person to talk about traits that successful people have. He's done some amazing things. He's an amazing guy. He's an amazing businessman. Um, he's an amazing father and family man. The guy's like the whole package. I see him smiling already. Yeah, that's you I'm talking about. Um, like, who are you talking to? <laughs> who are you talking about? His background. Let me give you his background real quick. It's uh, He sent me over his, his resume here. This is very cool. So I'm going to go backwards. All right. You came out. He came out of college, got a job working at Gap as a senior field manager, went from there to Tommy Hilfiger, director of stores and operations. All right, it's a very cool job. We all know Tommy Hilfiger. Hang on. He went from there to Perry Ellis, where he was vice president of retail, e-commerce. I guess retail and e-commerce, right? You were there for about two years. And I think your capstone was senior vice president, direct to consumer and retail development for 444. Why am I not seeing a name? You'll fill us in. And then he went and became the president and CEO of Global Fashion for another company who he's going to tell us who that was. I don't see the name here. But the bottom line is he's been, he's, he's started at the bottom. He's worked his way up to the top. He's done everything in between. And because of that, he's had some unbelievable experiences. He's going to share with us today his mistakes, lessons learned, and, uh, and what it takes to, um, to go from essentially nothing to to a lot and what i mean by that is the guy's self-made so with that this is jason gallon what's up jason hey buddy how are you man good to see you guys doing great there's you know the people that are are taking in this show there's there's people want to learn people want like you and i we've done the same thing over the years right we we fall on our face we make mistakes we have wins we have losses but along the way like we didn't have this we had a we had maybe mentors. We had people that gave, we were talking before the show started about people giving opinions, you know, and some people gave us their opinions and they knew what they were talking about. And some people just gave us their opinions and we knew they were wrong. And we're like, all right, well, we'll show you how we're going to do it. But um, I'd love to start with you taking us back to like, the beginning. You're an entrepreneur, right? You've done all these wonderful things. Where did that come from? Like what, what, you know, at what, what, where that spirit come from? How did it start? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting because it's it's been something that I've been kind of marinating with for a while now to understand this this where this really where this really stems from. You know, is it is it personality traits? Is it your birthday? Are you a, you know I'm a Scorpio, so does that make me different from you know somebody who's not a Scorpio? And then I reflect on my childhood, and I'm like, well, since I was like eight years old, I've been hustling. You know, when it snowed outside, I was the first guy out there with my shovel. Trying to, trying to scrape up some money to buy a new TV set or pick up a pair of sneakers that I wanted or something like that. So, it, you know, for me, I think there's been a hunger since I've been young. I think when I reflect on why, you know, it really comes down to, I've always wanted to be financially independent. I never wanted to ever have to ask somebody for permission to do something, you know, whether that was to buy something, to go somewhere, even in my corporate America career, like what made me 
me was that I actually had this ownership and this entrepreneurial spirit where I took those businesses like they were my own. I treated them like they were my own. And I hated to be micromanaged. I loved <laughs> it when I was just empowered to do what I do. And I think that's where it stemmed from for me was really just this desire for independence. Did, do you remember, was there something like I, I had the same, you and I have had this conversation. Like I share that, that, and I know that for me, when I was really, I mean, young, like prior to, you know, 10 years old, I remember being a little kid and feeling like if I want something, I don't want to have to ask because I don't want the crap that comes along with asking in this <laughs> sort of dysfunctional environment I was growing up in. And like, you know, I don't, it, it wasn't a thought. It just sort of happened. Like I just knew, forget it. I don't want to ask. I don't want to hear all the nonsense. I don't want to have anybody holding any guilt over me or I did this for you or which is how it was when I was a little kid. And I think that sort of put something in me where it was like, I'm just going to go do it myself. What was it for you? It's very similar. You know, I, I came from a product of divorce. You know, my father was not the best example of being a good dad, being a provider. And, you know, there was a lot of turmoil between the tug of war with my mom and my dad. Go ask your father. No, go ask your mother. And, you know, that part of it was definitely like, all right, I'm going to stay out of that conversation. Right. And then there was, okay, when you did ask and there was a whole bunch of nonsense being fed to you and was ultimately just so disappointing that you just stopped asking. And then fortunately for me, I had a great role model in my grandfather, but he was a depression baby. You know, he took over his family business at 18 years old because his dad passed away and he had to survive and become an adult very quickly. And I remember it was always, well, ask, ask Pops, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll help you. And then I would say, well, what does help you mean, right? Yeah. And then it would come down. I remember, I remember one time yeah. I wanted the brand new Air Jordan 3s, the cements, they just came out. <laughs> and they were like, I don't know, maybe like, 80 or 90 bucks at the time. And he's like, no problem. No problem, Sonny. He called me. You buy the left shoe, I'll buy the right. And I'm like, lesson. oh, so you want to <laughs> split it. Right. He's like, yes, because if you want it that bad, you've got to contribute. You've got to work towards it. You've yeah. got to, you've got to, you've got to be hungry. Exactly right. You've got to have skin in the game to make it count. Wow. What a valuable that, that's, that's where I think, that's where I think it came from. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I've tried in my life to turn all the situations that I've had experienced positively and negatively. I try and just hope that they'll teach me something and lead me down a path that may not have been there for me before, you know? And that's how I've, I've, I've tried to, to maneuver my life that way because if I get hung up on being a victim to all the things, then, you know, you just get caught up in it. You just thought, you know, you just go down and spiral into this really negative place. And for me, like positive context is everything you know if you see it it can be and you know i've tried to try to keep my career that way but i've also tried to maintain my life that way yeah i'm taking notes as you're talking because you hit on four things that like i think could be the rest of the show uh <laughs> i'm serious first of all when you talked when you just mentioned disappointment that's i how many people feel that same the same disappointment maybe for different reasons but as a kid and again, you and I, I know we talk, we've had, we've shared that same, um, same way of coming up different circumstances, but the same feelings we've carried with us. And right. When you have that disappointment that you mentioned, the, doesn't that 
also kind of turned into a little bit of that I'm not good enough that you kind of carry with you, right? Because in a way, is it the same thing or, or is the, because we've talked about that prior too, like so many of us who are successful, we're driven by wanting to over-deliver and just like really succeed. But underneath it all is this, am I really good enough? Can I really do this? And, and so many people actually carry this, 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 their reaction to most things in life, which oftentimes will be with anger or with anxiety, underneath it all really is, I'm not good enough. It's a sense of failure yeah, or disappointment I, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like in the beginning stages of learning about myself and building this kind of self-awareness and, and understanding what makes me tick, a lot of it was driven off of insecurity for sure. You know, not, not wanting not wanting to be a failure like some of the role models that I've had in my in, in my life, positive and negative. You know, you got to realize role models show you bad things, and some role models show right. you good things. So you see things. Um, so I think I was definitely driven to not be like certain role models in my life. I was definitely driven to be a very honest and direct person, almost to a fault. Because when you're honest and direct, some things could come off very cutting and can and and can hurt people. And you have to learn, like, how do you stay honest and direct, but but polish it in a way that's not going to wreck someone's self-esteem. It's going to have a productive outcome. You know, you want positive turning points in conversations and and influencing people. And it's it's it was an evolution to go through that. You know, for me, I think the biggest time that I felt that was actually when I relocated to the West Coast. Incredibly successful as a, as a New York leader. High pace, fast energy, you know, fast talking, highly direct, was almost crippling to the people that I was leading on the West Coast. So all of a sudden you're sitting back and you're like, holy, what, what, what's happening? Like, why something. am I not succeeding? <laughs> yeah, like why am I not succeeding? Right. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, wait a minute, you know, I got to take a step back here and I got to realize that culturally things are different. You know, there's, there's a reason why people, you know, respond differently to different leadership styles. And, you know, for me, I needed to learn very, very quickly, you know, how am I going to tone it down? How am I going to still be true to myself? How am I going to drive results without alienating people? It was, that was probably the biggest awakening that I had to really adjusting to different personality types and different environments. Listen, I think what you're describing is the essence of, of, of leadership. I mean, mature, we all go through that at, at some point. I mean, I don't know very few leaders that I know who are really successful leaders didn't have to find their way. Now, many of them had, may, may have had um, possibly uh, home lives where they just developed a natural sense of emotional intelligence and they had compassion, empathy, and it was the way they were wired. And then there's others, uh, I won't speak for you, but there's others of us who, who didn't uh, learn that when they were, you know, in, in the home and you have to go out into the world and realize you can't just knock walls down and just demand things to be a certain way. People aren't going to follow. And, um, and it's like developing that compassion, the empathy, the sense of what you say does, um, how you say it does matter, right? People aren't going to follow you if they don't believe in you. It's everything you just said to me, you just described leadership, I mean, it's part of it, right? Because I think, you know, that's the influencing part of leadership. That's, that's the humanity of leadership, in my opinion. I think then you have to marry that with the vision and the inspiration 
to lead people towards something, right? Because that's that's the thing. Like you can use that you can use that power for many different for many different reasons. Oh, for sure. You know, you could see just in just in just in the dynamics of our world today in the United States. I mean, look at how leadership has led to divisiveness. Look how leadership has led to negative things. You know, you just you just never know how influence is going to turn out. And, you know, you have to be really responsible with that. It's a power and you got to understand it so that you could make sure that the outcomes are really positive for, for the people you're trying to touch. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's so true. And, and, you know, a person like you, you, you'll, you'll stand out as a leader and, and you're right. It's like, you have this responsibility. What was that? That Spider-Man uh, there's, there's the, the one saying that they have in the Spider-Man movie about when you have a power, you know, be careful. Comes great, comes great responsibility. Comes great responsibility. I'm glad you, because exactly. that wasn't coming to my mind. Yeah. Um, but it, it is true. It, it's as a leader, we both run companies, own companies, and, and you know, you can, you can have an impact in any moment where 10 people around you can feel like crap or they can be lifted up like off the ground. And uh, it, it's, it is a power and, and they look to you and they want that leadership. They want to follow you. But in order to follow you, they have to believe that you're real, which you mentioned a few minutes ago, being real, being authentic, even with your flaws, whatever it is, like knowing that this is, this is for real. This guy really has a clear vision and he's taking us somewhere and we want to go where he's going. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in my, in my last role, when I was the head of global fashion for Victorinox was army brands, and this was a global role. So you're talking about distribution from you know the U- U.S. all the way to Switzerland, across Europe, into Asia. Specifically, we had you know Japan and Greater China, and you know the Japanese people are, are very proud people. And you know here I am walking into a market. I remember this. I was traveling with the country CEO, and she and I had a very good relationship. We agreed on a lot of things in terms of taste and quality, which is very important to the Japanese people, and. I just remember that the stores and, and the product was just really not presented well at all. And, you know, my first response was, I was traveling with the whole entourage of people was like, everyone put your bags down. We're going to work a store. We're going to make that store perfect and make that the model for everything else. And I said, wait, hold on. That would really make this, my, my counterpart in, in Japan, the country manager, you know, would basically discredit her in front of her people. And, you know, you have to really understand like culture and people to know what tools to pull out when, because I've right. seen so many people just misuse the toolbox and the outcomes that they think that they're going to get, they don't. And then they think, really? oh, well, I did all this work and we did this thing and we did that, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden it's like, well, nobody wants to work for you. Nobody likes the way that you're leading. Nobody's, you know, responding to you. And then you wonder why your, your sales results and your financial performance is not where it should be, especially when you're in multi-tier management. You know, that, that I think it's, it, it changes the dynamic a bit. You know, now in my current capacity where I don't have big teams, I'm really just responsible for myself and a handful of people, it's different, you know, it, it's more intimate, it's, it's less managerial and it's just more influencing as opposed to, you know, my prior roles in corporate America is very right. multi-level management. You know, you set a standard, it has to be like 30 times higher than it should be because right. by the time it gets all the way down to, you know, entry level, you know, employee, it's been watered down so many times that you got to hope that you set it so high 
that by the time it gets down to the you know the bottom of the chain, yeah, yeah. it's still strong enough to be better than it's somebody else. Retained. Yeah, you know. I got to ask you a, a question, and it's something that I didn't notice until I was looking at, at. I've known you for a while, man, and I'm telling you, we've never talked about our educations. I don't, I don't think we have. But I mean, the, the guy that I know now, and I've, I've, you know, known you as in the past couple of years. I know you as like the. Uh, I mean, you're a successful guy. I mean, it's your experience. I, I love listening to you because the stories you tell me and the things you talk about, I'm like, my God, I thought I knew things. And I'm like, geez, this guy knows like everything. If I look at, I look at where you went to college. This is, I look at where you went to college. I, to me, I'm like, this guy must've went to like Harvard. Right. Can I say where you went to school? Yeah, sure. Okay. Actually, I'm not going to say you, you, let's just say, let's say that, that like myself, you went to average school. Like there was no like Ivy league. You went to like, no. okay. Schools. And here's the question. Do you think that formal education has, well, let me ask you a different way because I don't want to, I don't want to insult anybody. Education is very important. We'll, we'll say that first, but nowadays, like the way it is now with all of your experience, you went to college, you got your degrees, you have a degree in business management, marketing, uh, and a degree in, it looks like fashion buying and merchandising. It clearly had something directly to do with what you did. Like when you got out of school. But does the college education and the schools you went to, did it have any actual bearing on what looks to be like a very high level of success in a global company? Yeah, I think, I think school's important. And I think it's important Agreed. for different, I think it's important for different reasons. Um, if I look at my career, I, I took the classes that I felt were most important to what I wanted to do for my career. I took psychology classes, business classes, fashion classes, and that's where I, my emphasis was, and that's the career path that I took. However, what I didn't gain from college was the, the network benefit of going to school and matriculating into bachelor's and master's degree programs and working with people in the industry at higher levels and you know, different brainstorming uh, incubators that come from what is the modern day education. You know, I got all that from hands-on job experience, you know, working from the sales floor all the way up to being a, a CEO of a global company. So, you know, I achieved the same thing, but I did it in a different route. You know, I have the conversation with my kids today that college is very important, not just for the education and the books learning that you will get from it, but the people that you'll meet you know, the groups that you will form and, and the way, if you look at most successful startups today, they were incubated in, in a college dorm room. So yeah, to me, sure. in, in the startup world that we live in today, you know, it, it is different. I grew up in a time where retail and fashion and specialty retail more specifically was a huge growth vehicle. I mean, you're talking about the days where you know, Gap was just an adult store. It was just turning into kids. Old Navy wasn't even a concept yet. Tommy Hilfiger was only sold in department stores. You know, you're talking about a time where being overstored in specialty retail wasn't even formatted the way it is today. You know, now anyone trying to break into that industry is dealing with such a totally different dynamic because there's too many stores, closing stores, online retails that is the, is the movement. Why do you need a retail store? What's the purpose of it? So, you know, I think technology and engineering become, become very important to any career, 
that you're trying to form. I'll even give you another example. I have a very close friend of mine that has been in the automotive space for his entire career. And he's a service director for you know, an automotive group. And new job opportunities, they require engineering degrees now to be in the, in the service no side of the business. Yeah, because no why? Every computer coming off the line now is, every, every car coming off the, the assembly line now is, is a computer. Right. So, so you need engineering degrees. You need to understand how computers work in order to now understand how to make a car work. So it's the, the, the world in which, you know, I grew up in and you grew up in, in terms of that tactile, you know, needing to understand hands-on how to do things has slightly evolved. And I think that's where that experience in college, I think will help to, to mature that a bit. You know, you're touching on something else too, which is the ability to pivot. Right. And, and talking about formal education versus just real world edu um, education, they, they didn't teach us in college how to pivot. I mean, you're following a curriculum, but out in the world, I mean, especially now, every, all the examples you're giving about people in the automotive field, too, you've got to be able to move quick, think quick um, and pivot. And it could even be now with, you know, with COVID and, and it could have changed anybody's life in any way. How important has it been for you to be able to recognize something that's coming or something that's either happening or just about to happen and possibly leave, leave an idea behind, leave something behind that you started and pivot and move quickly so that you still stay relevant and ahead of the curve in business, in any of the businesses you were in? Yeah, no, I mean, to be, to be agile in business today, it's, it's like a prerequisite. I mean, if you build a business that's just yeah. completely bolted down with tons of infrastructure and process and and you can't turn quickly and you can't maneuver quickly, you're, you're not going to survive today. Because I mean, if you look at the, the trend, I mean, you're talking about recessionary trends changing more frequently than we've ever experienced. We're talking about pandemics now, something we never thought we'd ever have to deal with. Lights going out, worlds being shut off in, in the blink of an eye. You know, I mean, it was a movie before. I was like, you see it in a movie. It's like, whoever thought this was going to happen? Exactly. You know? But if you if you if you if you built an agile business, if you built a nimble team, if you built the systems that, that are adaptable to change, then I think you could survive it. But if you've built something that just can't maneuver and it takes you too long, by the time you get there, it, it's going to be too late. And I think that's part of the struggle with if you if you my my old career in the retail world, you know the dinosaur businesses, the large department stores that you know have never evolved beyond doing what they're doing, COVID forced them to have to. You had no choice now. You had to go digital, you had to go, go e-commerce, you had to do social, you know, social media, social commerce. You know, the world forced you to change. So, you know, I've tried to, in my, in my personal businesses, never to get too big in the sense of how much pro process we put into it, how rigid we get, because, you, you need to be able to move quickly, you know, and for us, even COVID, you know, we've had this conversation, you know, we were, we were a, 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 a brand that carried product and housed inventory and made our own t-shirt quality, dyed the color, printed the, you know, printed the graphic and shipped. And during COVID, it was like, wait, we, we, we can't do this anymore. You know, we have to be much faster, more agile, more, more, more focused on, 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 social commerce and speaking to to consumers through content than just product alone you know so we right. pivoted to a new business model during the course of this so it, are there trade-offs there always are 
And I think that's the other thing to, to, to understand, you know, from, from my viewpoint is that there's nothing perfect about anything you're ever going to do. It just has to be good enough to get you right. to your goal. That's right. You know, like I, I, if you try to have every single box checked off for perfection, you're probably not going to get it. And if you do get it, it's probably going to be at the expense of your profitability for your company and being able to hit a trend on time. That's such an important nuance. And it's like, that's, that's a feel kind of uh, wisdom experience. Like that's a really important point. And um, I'm not sure that, that anybody's ever taught that to you or I, but we both know that it's a feel like you just know you have to kind of, you can't be stuck in analysis paralysis. You make decisions, you move, you move with, with serious action. And while that's all happening, the, the interesting thing is in the back of your mind, you're still looking for opportunities. You're still aware of what's going on around you and you're still ready to pivot while you're going full force after what you think makes sense right now. Uh, and by the way, I, when I introduced you, aside from the fact that I, I forgot the name of the company, which thankfully you corrected me on five minutes ago, the global company, um, you, you also right now are a pretty serious real estate investor. And I think you have been for a while. And what you're referring to now is the t-shirt company that you've had for many years which is what was, I think you said previously was thriving prior to COVID. You took a, a break, maybe, as you said, you um, kind of reworked the vision a little bit and now you're back and you're moving forward again. So whether you're, it's a small business like that, that you're trying to, to, to build, you know, which for you might just be a project, right? Because you've built so many businesses. It's um, the, same, the same basic traits and the same foundation hold true for any of these businesses. And something you mentioned before with the shoveling snow, something told you to get up and go do it. And we talked about, you wanted money. We talked about the reasons, <clears throat> excuse me. I did the same thing, man. I would get up and go shovel snow 12, 13 hours a day for like $3 an hour or something in the garden apartments. But there's something that I find is common with most entrepreneurs that I know that actually have been successful. And what I mean by that is they've actually built businesses and actually made money and been profitable not tried and failed and never succeeded. There's motivation and creativity that is weaved through their thinking. And first, you're a super creative guy by, by nature. I mean, in, in your DNA, like you're just an idea guy, you're super creative. But interestingly enough, you're, you have motivation enough to not just be creative, but to also execute and be operational, right? So you, it sounds like you had that when you were 10 years old. And now at your current age, you're still, you're still well, doing it. So what is that? Talk about that motivation and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's for, for us, even in, in my, one of my other ventures, which is, you know, our consulting company where we, we really pride ourselves on art and science, you know, and art and commerce, you know, it's being able to really help to bring creativity to the table, but help execute it and help it achieve what it's supposed to achieve. You know, I like things to be pretty, but I like, I think the, the prettiest thing is seeing success with it, you know, financially or a customer appreciation for it. But it, it's really, I think it's hard to, it's hard to um, decipher between what is truly innate in somebody that can't be taught and what has been an experience. So if I go back to my, my childhood, yeah, I was super creative. You know why? Because I like to work, but I also like balance. So when I would shovel snow, I, I, I picked, you know, the two biggest houses on my block who were the corner houses 
And I got out there first, rang their bells, spent, you know, four hours on one house, four hours on another, got the same amount of money for those two houses that other kids were, were knocking out 30, 40 houses. So well, work you know, smart, not hard. You were doing it when you were 10. That's, that's kind of what it was. But, but I will tell you this, the quality of the work mattered, right? right? Because if I wanted them to be loyal to me, I had to do a better job, that's you know, right. where I, people would ring the bell on the, on these houses because they knew the big houses paid, you know, paid well. And they wouldn't let them do their houses. They said, these are Jason's houses. And I Look did those houses until I was 13, 14, 15 years old. And they were like, well, who's going to do my house now that you're a teenager and you don't <laughs> want to do it anymore? Uh, you know, and it, it, but I think, you know, work product, work ethic, it matter, you know, and loyalty to people. And then you get loyalty back. It matters, you know? So I think it, it's been part of what I did my entire life. Isn't you know, it interesting a- that possibly that, that, that happening and you getting that type of feedback from those people is partially what created this brand and brand is, is, is not the right word, but this, this way, this, the belief system that you operate under the way that you, because all the, all the, 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 the positions you've held, you bring that same exact, you don't have to um, do what you're doing now. Okay. But you, you keep going, you're creative, you're motivated. And, and the way you approach the work, is exactly the same as what you did when you were doing those, those driveways. But is it not the feedback possibly that you got like, oh, wow, this, this is a good feeling. I get that kind of positive reinforcement when I do a great job like this. Absolutely. Do you not carry that with you into everything you do? I mean, Absolutely. that's not even taught. That's like, that's, that's experience, right? Like, wow, this feels good. Right. But that's also humanity. That's right. You know, like, like the thing that, the thing that I think people truly underestimate in business is that it's one plus one equals two, it's brick and mortar, it's process, it's operational, but it's not. Those are, those are just tools. It's humanity. It's the people. And, you know, I, I, I said to you earlier, like I, I would find myself setting expectations that were very high in order to make sure that by the time it got down through the ranks, that it was still a strong expectation. However, you know, deep down the quality you, you, you know that, that at the end of the day, the client satisfaction, the trust, the confidence, the dedication, all of it to the brand, to the company, all that loyalty, is that not where it comes from? I mean, it, it's, they believe that they're going to they're gonna feel a certain way from working with you. Assuming that you praise progress and you recognize effort. And I think this is a really important point because you can set expectations very high and you can try and achieve very high standards of performance, high sales results, great profit. But if you don't praise progress along the way, if you don't make people feel like their effort every day is working towards the goal, you're gonna have people feel really frustrated because you know it's, it's easy to set a standard, it's easy to set an expectation, it's hard to coach to it. It's hard to make people get up every day and still wanna put in that fight even though they're going to be facing new challenges. You know, I, it, it is, really but if you, is. even if I mean, I, COVID has really challenged people in that regard, because yes. now you had every business around the world shutting down, trying to figure out what's, what's, what's going to happen to our business, but also what's happening to me and what's happening to my children and our, our house. And there was so much going on over the last 12 to 15 months that, you know, leadership needed to prevail. And you're seeing that this, this strength of loyalty that's come from it and people that have just invested in people. Even for me, you know, I had clients that were calling us being like, listen, we got to put our contracts on hold. You know, 
We, we love working with your company, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring for us. And you know what my response to them was? Don't worry about it. We don't have to put the contract on hold. You don't have to pay me, but I'm going to be here. I'm going to work with you. Whatever I can do to help your company navigate COVID, I will do. That, I don't need to get paid. A, I don't need to get paid for it because guess what? That's a customer what? for life. That, that's a relationship that's that really at that point, it, it's not, the word customer isn't even appropriate because now you've got a meaningful relationship. And for me, it was, it was a survival, right? I, I, right? I've invested time into these companies. And again, it's advisory. I don't work for them. I work with them. But these are still relationships and, and companies that I've invested time in to help them improve. And we're going up against the biggest challenge of our natural born life with this pandemic for, from a business point of view and, and, a, and a human health point of view. Now it's not the time to fold up and say, okay, well, you're not going to, you know, give me my retainer this month. So, you know, bye-bye. Now's the time to dig in. Now's the time to lean in and, and be there for your people, whether they're your employees, they're your, your, your subordinates, your supervisors, your, your friends. Now's the time to dig in and be there. Right. Wow. That's powerful. Let me ask you a question. In, in the past year, to the degree that you've, you feel like you want to talk about it, aside from what you've mentioned already, um, how did the experience change your life? Has anything changed? I mean, did it, did it change the way you think or change the way you look at things? You know, having gone through this in the past year? Yeah, oh, I mean, it's definitely, uh, there's no question it's changed me. I think, you know, one of the things that I've always tried to do was create diversification in my revenue streams. Even when I was working in corporate America, I always had side hustles before side hustles were cool. Yeah. And I, I always, in trouble for having a side hustle. It wasn't okay. Right. But I actually, but I actually was always honest with all my, in, in yeah. the interview process, in the, in the hiring process, I was always honest to say, listen, this is a business that I started. It's a business that I'm in. And if you want me to come work with you, you have to respect that as long as it's not in conflict. And, right. you know, we've been able to, thankfully over the course of my career, I've been able to keep these businesses going simultaneously with doing my corporate America career. And it, it, again, it comes back to this independence, right? It gave me the feeling always that I didn't have to stay in a job just for the money. I could do the job while I loved to do the job. And I can work for the company while I still loved the company. And if there was any point where I did not feel that way anymore, I would leave. Because for me, if I don't love what I do, and if I'm not passionate about the people that I do it for and do it with, I, I, I don't put out my best product. So having this extra, you know, these side businesses always gave me this freedom that I was never going to be, you know, down and out and having to take a job just for the sake of a job. However, during COVID, now I have these, you know, multiple businesses, you know, I have, I have a real estate company where I'm collecting rent and I got to worry that they're not going to pay that rent anymore. I have a t-shirt and fashion company that now warehouses and factories are shut down. And then I've taken, you know, a large portion of my savings in my life and invested it into the market. And here you go, the market's crashing like we've never seen before. So I'm not going to tell you that there weren't days where I'm sitting underneath my desk, you know, shaking, like, what the hell am I going to do? Is that why the I desk got, is so big? Because I know you're like six foot three. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and you know what? It was, it was a very scary time. You know, it was a very was scary very time. Scary. And, and, and it's, and it's, it's, it's could be paralyzing, right? Because you, you just don't know what to do. 
all of a sudden, everything that you've been working towards, building towards, everything that you thought was the right steps to go to, to keep yourself bulletproof for all intents and purposes in, in this world, everything's going at the same time. Everything's crashing pause, at the same You got to pause there because I know what you did, but I, I want to ask you this in a way where, because what you did was possibly the biggest lesson that could come out of this conversation. Um, first of all, things are stressful to normally. I mean, you have all these things going on. Like you said, you have multiple businesses and that's just how you're wired. And, you know, talking about um, growing up, maybe wanting more than you had or, or whatever the case may be underneath it all, there's possibly like, right. There's like this fear of not having enough money. Right. I know that drive that always drove me. Like I need multiple streams of revenue because if one doesn't go well, the other one will go well. And I'm never going back to where I came from. Right. So that's this self-imposed, like unhealthy pressure. Um, I'm not sure if that was it for you, but there's, you're still going and going and going, right. This whole thing happens. And now there's way more stress than there was before. You got to a point, like you said, the market, you actually, I, I, you know, the date in your head, right. You have the date. March, there was a March, day, 20, there was, March 23rd. That's right. You're, you're so you, 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 all of a sudden it's like, boom, everything is like, this is like the the perfect storm, not a good situation what I describe how you felt and what you did, because I know you were, you, you snapped back pretty quick, but yeah, there was I mean, something listen, that you went through to snap yourself back. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I basically just sat down, reset kind of what, what, what are the priorities here? What can I do during this, this, this crisis and what can't I do? And you could have been wiped out, right? I mean, you, oh, you could yeah. have been wiped I mean, out. Yeah. I mean, within, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely had, you know, from the, let's, let's break it down, right? My, 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 my clothing business was basically on pause. We had no idea what was going to happen coming out of COVID with that. My real estate company now was in question about what rents I would be able to collect, how long would I have to subsidize tenants? And then on top of it, you know, my, my investments in the stock market, which, you know, living in America, growing up in America, you're, 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 you're taught. Invest in the stock, stock market. market, 401ks, IRAs, you know, whatever, you know, day traders galore. Everyone's putting money into the market. <laughs> and that now all of a sudden the market's tanking. Boom. So there, there was a, there was a, there was a number that if, if I got to that number, it was basically going to be a sell all and it was going to be that. And then we would have to basically say, okay, this is it. This is the cash position now. And I'm sure other people were sitting in a similar, you know, mindset of sell all. Fortunately, we never got to that, that bottom line number. And then it was okay. Now that I'm not pulling a sell all move, now what's the next step? And, you know, I doubled down, man. I, I went in and I started buying strategically, you know, and, and I think it, it, people, People did it. You saw it because the market rebounded significantly, you know, over the last 12 months. However, there was a lot of speculative trading going on. There was a lot of day trading going on. There was a lot of just scalping for money because people needed a, needed a mechanism to make money, you know, when they were out of work and, you know, unemployment wasn't paying them enough. So the market became very rough and not the market that I've invested in over the last 25 years. You know, the market became this, this, this gambling scenario and volatility was on the rise and people were just shorting everything and, 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 and options were being basically just scattered all over the place. And it was like, wow, what, what am I doing here? 
And I basically just doubled down on my strategy that I would invest in companies that had good balance sheets that were that were somewhat where the, where the business was going future. And I just kept strategically finding buying opportunities. And I'm not going to tell you today that I didn't day trade a little bit, momentum trade a little bit. I didn't short things and buy, you know, buy puts. I did, but I only did those surely opportunistically when they showed up. It wasn't a strategy. My strategy was always to invest in companies that I believe had sound financials, good management teams, and that they would be able to, to, to weather the storm. And this is, this, is, this is you being the good investor that, that, that I've learned that you are. And so you were able to, you, like we said before, you executed, but before you executed, you were, I think like everybody else, we, we, were, we were like, if you put the news on, if you talk to anybody, it was just nothing but gloom and doom and fear and like the sky is falling. And in, in there, before you started pulling those levers and you, you actually had your plan, there was something that's really important in business, which is stay calm, assess the situation, don't make an emotional decision, which for you could have been like, screw it, I'm selling everything right now because I'm scared. Don't make an emotional decision. So there's something that happened in there, which is what I was kind of trying to get at before you executed and you really, I mean, you, you kicked butt. Like it all worked out for you, but it could have gone the other way if you let the panic and the fear take over, but you didn't. And that's, it happens in business all the time, right? How many times over the years are you working in business and you're in a situation, certainly not as bad as this with where fear or panic could set in something bad's happening. It's a bad situation. And you're like, all right, let me just, let me just make sure my mental state is right. And, and I, I mean, I know cause you, I think you're being humble right now, but you, 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 you went through a process. I can't speak for you, but I feel, I remember you like a day or two of like getting in the right mindset then, oh, yeah. then you were able to do what you needed to do and you did it yeah. and you did it well because you were clear. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think, I think fear is a very tricky um, emotion. I think it could be paralyzing or it can be empowering. And for me personally, there was a belief that one, we were going to come out of this and you had to stay, I had to stay positive. I had to stay optimistic that this was not a economic situation. This was a health situation. And although they were talking about it quite a bit on, on the newscasts and on all the business channels, you had to really believe that in order to move forward. And then it was, okay, how do I start to pressure test what I want to do? And I started to slowly start purchasing and start making buying decisions. But you also have to remember that for me, I have a watch list in every industry of all the best stocks that I have been salivating to buy at the right price. Right. So this was not like I just woke up one day and was like, okay, now start the research. The research was already done. I knew the companies that I wanted to buy. I needed to, I needed to pressure check them against what was happening in the economy and then go. There's one piece right there, which is where I think so many people get stuck. It's that little step that was between, I need to do this and now I'm going to do it. You had a switch that flipped where you're like, all right, I might be, there's some bad stuff happening around me. And look, I, I got to take, I got to make some decision. I got to pivot. I got to, I got to do something. And you decided 
it's the same thing as you were saying before. It's a survival mechanism. It's 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 a ten year old kid. I'm not going to lose what I got. I built it up. I'm confident in myself, and I'm saying it's about you because I know I know you. Like you're so you you had a confidence enough to know that you know what you're doing, and you got past the emotion. You, you I, I I remember you telling me it's like the 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 mindset shifted. You actually stood up. You dusted yourself off. You shifted your mindset, and then you said to yourself, uh, and maybe you can elaborate on this. I know what I'm doing. I'm confident. Um, I have a plan. I have lists. I've been prepared for something like this. So I'm going to get out from, <laughs> you said before, I'm going to get out from under the desk and, and I'm going to go execute now. And that's the piece where I think so many people got stuck and I think they're still stuck. They're afraid to take a step forward. But I think that again, and as I said, fear can either be crippling or it could be empowering. For me, Absolutely. Once, I, once, I, once I hit that, that switch and I moved to take action, the fear went like away, this. right? Like because here's the, here's the deal. Once you commit to something, you're not focused on the fear anymore. Now you're focused on making sure it works. It's fight or flight. And you went into fight mode. And by the way, you haven't stopped. Yep. You're kicking butt right now. Listen, <laughs> I, I, listen knock on wood, uh, you know, I, I, came, I, I came out of it, you know, it, it, with, with, with my life intact. And that, that I, I am thankful for every day because, you know, this was a very scary time, something I never thought I'd experience. And I, I reflect back on like, you know, my grandfather who was, you know, a, a relatively successful person, you know, couldn't finish high school, didn't go to college, had to, you know, take care of the family retail store on Myrtle Avenue in Brooklyn and raise two children, take care of his mother, his wife. And then, at, you know, after my parents split up, was a huge supporter of, of my brother and I and our family. And, you know, I thought about him and I'm like, even he never experienced this madness because the 1920s pandemic and the crash was, you know, he was basically five, eight years old at the time. So nobody, you know, in, in, in the longevity of my family had ever experienced this, nor knew the answers to navigate it. And this is where you just have to use instincts and you have to, you know, right. it's a cliche, right? You know, go where the puck's going to go, not where it's been. Right. And that's, that was kind of the attitude, but the truth is, and, and this is for, could never be the deciding factor for me. Wait, it was say that always again. the enabler froze. to say, okay, I am scared. So for me, I couldn't allow fear to be, you know, to, to be um, a negative influence on my life. I had to use fear as a positive turning point. And although I was scared, it made me sharper, right? It made me think faster. It made me do better research. It made me move so that I would make sure that those fears weren't realized. It's the you know, same chemicals keep... that create fear and anxiety create excitement. It's exactly the same right. chemical in your body. The only difference is, is how you, you, you process the feeling. And that's what you did. And I got, I feel like that's a, tremendous message. That's why I, I kept pushing you on it. Yeah. It's a tremendous message for anybody that's watching this to, to take, if you're still in that situation, uh, look, if you spend a lot of time watching the wrong news channels or too many news channels, you're, you're stuck still. You're, you're full of fear. Anything can change at any time because you have control over your thoughts. You can choose what you're thinking. You can choose your actions. You may not be able to choose what's happening around you, but you can choose how you react and how you respond to it. And that's what you're describing. So anybody who's in business now, who's trying to start a business, who's working, um, you know, as an employee in a company, you you can 
you can get through whatever situation you're in because you can, you can control your mindset. That's the only thing we can control is our mindset. And, and you just got done explaining a phenomenal story of how you did that. You could have been wiped out, but instead, arguably, I, you might have come out stronger than you went in. And so we'll see. We'll see. The future will be the, we'll see. Will be the tell of that. But like I said, where, where I could continue on the path of what I was trying to achieve before COVID, I tried to find the opportunities to maximize the downside. So, you know, I was able to reinvest additional resources into the market. I took resources out of the market at the right time as things started to improve. You know, I pushed for another real estate location simultaneous to that. I pivoted the t-shirt company to a new business model. So I tried to use this time to further push my, my businesses into the right direction. Um, but all the while, still very insecure over where, where we were going, you know, as, as, a, as, a general, as a general business community, as a world, change in leadership, you know, change in policies that were happening. I mean, we, we've got a lot of uncertainty that we're dealing with right now in the business we community. Do. And I think what's important for business leaders to understand is living in the gray area is going to be your best place. And because be comfortable that's in the gray area. Learn to be comfortable there. That's right. It's not a bad thing. As long as you're managing your PL, as long as you're not taking undue risks, I and mean, you can go down the list of all these things. The gray area actually is where opportunity lives. It's all in that same place. If your antennas yeah. are up and you're you're paying attention, it's not luck, it's opportunity that that is presenting itself to you. If you you and I talk all the time, but you and I were talking last week. It might sound funny, but we were talking about possibly buying a ranch together, for, right? But it, 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 an opportunity presented itself, which didn't end up playing out yet. But whoever would have thought, it's a kind of cool opportunity. We're in the gray area. It's like, oh, look, nothing's off the table. Listen, you got to keep, you got to keep, you got to keep doing your homework. You got to keep looking for opportunities. And you got to keep taking your at bats. You know, there's, there's no way you never, unless you're, you know, unless you're stepping up to the plate, you're not going to be in the game. And you've, you've got to keep yourself in the game and it could swing, but you also have to know what you're good at and what you're not good at, you know, and that to me is really important because I would never put myself into a business that I wasn't good at if I was going to be expected to operate it. Now, investing in it is a different story. You know, if I believe in the fundamentals of the business, the P&L sound, the leadership team is sound, then it's a different conversation because then you're investing in people. You're not necessarily investing in you needing to manage that business or you or operate that business. So, right. you know, I think you just have to know your, you know, know your strengths, know your weaknesses and play to them and, and surround yourself with people that actually, you know, offset your weaknesses. You know, I have a business Brilliant. partner, you know, in my, in my t-shirt company, you know, he's probably one of the only people that I really can say we've been partners for 10 years and, you know, with a yin and yang, you know, and, there's never an argument. It's always natural. We both have our strengths. We both have our weaknesses, but what he's great at, I'm not. And what I'm great at, he's not. And it makes a really good marriage. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, it's important, you know, how you surround yourself with, with the right advisors, even, you know, who to ask questions of, you know, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you need to know how to find the smartest person who can give you the answers that you need to make the best decision. It's funny because my ne the next topic I wanted to talk to you about was was uh, something we talked about before we started the show today, which was mentors, and um, and you just actually segue right into it perfectly. How important is having a mentor, 
And how important is it to make sure you, you are um, picky about the mentor or mentors that you have in your life? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I have found myself to have um, mentors and to be a mentor to, to, you know, to a group of people, um, formally and informally. And I think that for me, they've always just been natural relationships. It's not something that I, that I specifically sought out. Whether someone became a mentor to me after seeking out some type of functional advice, different. So for example, you know, I've met an, you know, an attorney friend now or, um, who I think is probably one of the smartest guys that I've, I've met with in terms of business structure, and just has a really broad capacity for business and law. And he is somebody that I, I look to as a structured mentor now, where I actually will tap into him as, as, a, as a thought provoker, you know, to, to help me through certain things. And then I have mentors that, you know, that I worked for, that understood who I was as a, as a leader and as a person that helped to nurture and develop me in the business world. And then I have people that I've done the same for. And it's, it's important that you, you have it two ways. I think it's important that you pay it forward. I think it's important that you continue to invest in people that have, have basically invested in you as a supervisor and as a leader for them. Um, and I think it's important that the people that have helped to pave the way for you, you know, that, that, that they maintain that relationship with you. And it's interesting because there's a dynamic when you have this relationship with people. It's almost like a parent-child relationship. Yeah, it is. We're, we're almost, you get to this point where the, the student becomes the teacher. And it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. as the same when you realize that, you know, you're an adult now and you're, you're helping your parents differently. So, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an emotional journey, but I think it's one that is so rewarding because you, you don't know where the best guidance and advice will come from. And you also don't know what's gonna be the trigger to unlock the thought process that you want to proceed with. Like it can come from anywhere. So it's really, you know, I just say, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open and add value to people and look for the people that can add value to you. Wow, yeah, it's brilliant. You know, as you were talking, I was, I was actually thinking about something you said before. When are you familiar with the term post-traumatic growth? Yes. When now as we're coming out of, I mean, hopefully it appears we're beginning to come out of the uh, the dark cloud, right? For the past year, um, how much did you learn about yourself? Into to the from the perspective of now you've had a stretch experience. You went through something that you didn't go through before. It stretched you which is growth, right? Because now you, you have more wisdom, you've, you've got more experience in a way you never did before, which is post-traumatic growth. You went through a traumatic experience and, and now you're growing. So did, did you have like a decent amount of like PTG, post-traumatic growth from the past year? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that. Um, I, I mean, yes, I think the answer is yes. I don't know that I am as, as aware of how it has changed me yet, other than feeling like small things just don't bother me anymore. Like the little that's things- what I was getting at. I want to yeah, like the little, talking about. Yeah, like the little, like, I mean, I read the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff when I was, yeah. you know, coming up yeah. in, 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 in 
business, but I still would focus on details and I would still focus on little things. And it was, again, this whole perfection thing, right? You just have to, everything has to be the way it should be. And I think coming out of this, I definitely don't have that anymore. You know, little things don't bother me as much. You know, I'm definitely not focused on being perfect. I definitely am not looking for perfection. And it's allowed me to, one, move quicker because you're not getting bogged down with I've opened up opportunities that, you know, may not have been there before. You know, even looking at real estate today, you know, looking for the perfect house or the perfect building or the perfect unit, you know, they don't exist anymore. You know, you have to find the one that matches, you know, most of what you're, you're trying to achieve and then decide if, you know, if, it, if it's economically viable and if it's feasible to do the deal. You know, even, even in the t-shirt business, you know, we made certain concessions that probably two years ago I wouldn't have made. You know, my ego would have been like, no, my, my, my perfectionist would have been like, no. And now I'm like, yeah, no, we're going. It's fine. It's you know, fine. it's interesting you bring up ego. It actually, I, I, uh, I have this conversation with, with people in my company like on a regular basis about, you know, I'm in a, a, my primary business, as you know, is, is IT, right? So we solve people's problems, but you're also solving people's problems in different ways, right? All day with, with providing a service. And I find that all too often people's egos actually, but they, they need to be right. They, they can't be wrong. It gets in the way of maybe the clarity of like, all right, what's the best way to go here? What's the best thing for the customer? And what's the best thing for my coworkers? And they really get lost in, I just need to be right. I don't want to look like I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, we have meetings on a regular basis where I'll say, listen, everybody, check your egos at the door. Like we cannot bring egos into this, into this meeting. There's nobody at fault. We're not, there's no blame. And I, I found that especially now more than ever, like we got to be able to have like real open, authentic conversations and make sure we're delivering the best value to our customers. And if we're, our ego is in the way, we're not even seeing clearly. Like it's, it's, you can't do the right by people if you're ego driven, you know? Uh, listen, it's, I think it's hard. I think if people can say they leave their egos at the door, but you know that feeling inside where you say something that may not have been received the, the way you thought it was, and you get that little like butterfly in your stomach or those little nerve endings in the back of your neck because you feel a little embarrassed, you know, that it didn't come off the way you wanted it to or the way you think it should have been received or... You know, I think it's hard. I think it's people, right? It's humanity. It, it's, part of, it's part of the psyche of, of being a human being. I think what has to be done is, again, you, you create a, a, hopefully you create a safe environment where people, you know, don't allow that to dictate their actions, you know, where they do contribute, they do use the learning opportunities that come from being wrong or that come from, you know, going through something that they don't have experience with, you know, and gain the experience. I think Isn't you know, that the education, people, I mean, that's, that's what, uh, that's where the experience, like if you don't make mistakes, if you don't fall on your face, if you don't screw up, if you don't, like it's impossible to actually reach your potential and, and whatever success means for you, whatever potential means for you, it's not going to just always go well. Like you're going to screw up. Like you want to screw up. Like you have to screw up. If you don't screw up, how the heck are you going to get, if you, if you look back on your career and you look at from where you started at, uh, I guess, gap at a college, if I remember correctly, and all the levels you got, and you got to that, the highest levels in, in, in global corporate, you didn't screw up. 
No, listen. I think I think people need to understand the mistake. You're frozen. You're unfrozen now. Um, you know, you can make mistakes in business all the time. You just need to learn from them. You know, I tell my kids, I'm like, listen, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Just learn from it so you don't repeat it. Because to okay. me, the repeat is the is the is the is the screw up, not the mistake. That's the issue. Like you want right. you want the mistakes. You want to, You I mean, really, you want to make as many mistakes as you can. Like when I screw up, I'm like, I I mean, you know, I'm exaggerating, but when when I screw up, I'm like, oh, good. Like now I see how to do that. Now I can adjust. I can calibrate, and that is not going to happen again. You know. Right. Exactly. But that's a lesson learned, right? It, and also, listen, with age comes wisdom, right? It's a, it's a cliche, but it's true because you, your confidence comes up. You're not so, you, you don't care as much about what people think. You're, you're not afraid to be vulnerable. You're, you're you know, you, you're, you're okay with being transparent about the lessons you've learned in life because you get to a certain point where you're proud of those lessons, right? I'm proud of the mistakes I've made because, you know, they were part of leading me to this, this point that I'm at, you know? And that's, that's the whole, that's the whole thing is that, if you're afraid to take a shot because of a mistake or you're afraid you're going to fail, you don't know that. And you'll never know that unless you try. Know. And how many you know, people that's what that I, happen to? I mean, how right? many people, I mean, what, something can happen. They could be in the band when they're a kid in school and some teacher says, oh, you're no good at, at piano. And next thing you know, that's it. They gave up the piano. They never played it again because some teacher said that they're no good at it. Like and people, I've heard stories of people, maybe, you know, people like this too. They will carry something with them their entire life. You know, oh, no, I don't want to paint. No, I don't want to play tennis. I don't want to. So because somebody told them they weren't good at it. You know, somebody was. And, and it, it, it dictates like it, it puts this limitation on them. You know, it's, um, it's you got you got you got to Listen, you and, and expose I think, yourself. And I, absolutely. And I think limitations are real. I don't think everyone's going to be great at everything. But I think you need to try to be honest with yourself on what you know, what you are good at. And then I think there's, there's also people that are innately just great at things and they're people that have to work really hard at it. You know, I, I, I use sports as that analogy. Like I'm not a, I'm not a natural born athlete, you know, for me to have been good at baseball in high school or to improve in golf or to play tennis or whatever it is, I got to practice. I have hang to on, work at hang it. Hang on. First of all, you're full of crap because when I see you hit that golf ball off the tee, you, you're, it's like the ball comes out of a cannon when you hit the golf ball. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it goes straight. It doesn't mean that it lands where it yeah, should. It goes pretty straight. I get a little sight of it. I'm on my third shot, and we're, we're, we're like, oh, here's his drive. But and listen, I, and I'm proud to say I'm proud to say that I've improved. But you're talking about a lot of dedication to the, to to, yeah. to wanting to be better. You know, practicing at least one time a week, committing that I'm going to play one to two times a week. Yeah. You know, and this is something that I do for myself, but. I know people like, like my partner in a t-shirt company guy plays golf, like one time, two times in his life, maybe three. And he goes out there and he's a natural. If this kid played, he'd probably be like a low eighties, a low eighties golfer, like, like within six to 12 months. Uh, it makes me sick. We put in too much time. Right. The guys like that walk out there. It's like yeah, the hardest thing in the world, hit a, a ball. that's not moving, but, but he's a natural, he's a natural yeah. athlete. So yeah. he, so he has that ability to do that. Yeah. I don't. You know, and, and, you know, people can say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I have an instinct for, for business. I have an instinct for deals. I have an instinct for making money. Yeah, that might be true. Natural. You know, that might be true. It comes from something. I, I can't tell you why I can smell out good opportunities. 
Is it experience? Yes. Is it part of studying and understanding markets and businesses and products before, you know, I, I get into something? Yes. I, I definitely take my time and, and study, but not to a point where it's analysis paralysis to a point where I am informed enough to make a good choice. But and, you know, inherently, you know, wisdom is like throughout your life, you make all these mistakes and you'll learn from them. And as we, and you have all these experiences, right? Good and bad that we're exposed to. And of course we develop wisdom. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's a natural, now some of us have more wisdom than others because we've seen more, done more, experienced more, made more mistakes, learned more lessons, uh, maybe been around more mentors. Like that whole, all of that combined does create this instinctual, uh, and it goes back to, to childhood. I mean, it's everything. You instinctually just know when something's not right, right? And I can tell, I have, I, I, I'm like a walking bullshit detector. If somebody is, is BSing me, I'm telling, I can tell, but it's not, I can tell because going back to my own childhood and having to adapt and having to really sniff out in order to survive, like things that were maybe dangerous to me or whatever, yeah, I've carried that. And in business, like I can almost, I can almost tell in two seconds, I don't know, something's not right here. I'm not sure what it is. Something's not right, which will then cause, and I've learned, and you might've learned this too. It, it sounds like it's what you're saying. When, when you have a gut feeling or that thought comes into your head, I no longer, I don't ignore it. I take it seriously because it's, I, I know that it's something coming from somewhere and I can't ignore it. Every time I've ever ignored that gut feeling, I've been wrong. In other words, it, I should have listened to it every single time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I have this conversation with my wife all the time. You know, she's like, I will never make you do something you don't want to do. Because I know that deep inside, if you don't want to do it, there's something not right about it. And there, there's just Powerful. an instinct. Yeah, there's just an instinct in a gut that you, you can't ignore, right? And listen, have I been right more times than I've been wrong? Yes, thankfully. Um, you know, do I find that that's, that's could be just good fortune, good luck? Maybe so. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's different, there's different philosophies out there and, 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 you know, being a good person, you know, doing good things in life and, you know, having optimistic and positive things happen for you. Um, yes, I've had good things happen for me. I've also had really tragic things happen to me. You know, you know, I mean, my mom passed away at a very early age from a car accident and my life changed because of it. You know, what, what was important to me before wasn't important to me anymore. You know, like I had aspirations and desires to be a global CEO. I loved the, the ma massive scale, complexity, large groups of, of people, the magnitude of it. I loved it all. I loved the traveling and seeing the world. I mean, learning new cultures, you know, eating sushi in Japan. I mean, this was, this was great experiences. But, you know, after that day, all of a sudden was, I want to pick my kids up from school. I want to be there for breakfast. I want to hug and kiss my wife, you know, I, I want to be present in their life. And, you know, that was a big, a big change, you know, and that's when I said, you know what, maybe it's time for my side hustles to become my hustle. And, you know, I spent a lot of years cultivating a skill set and developing, you know, a, a business acumen that maybe now's the time with everything that's happened to me to, to do this, which led to my relocation.
vacation to Florida, which led to you and I getting to meet each other. So, you know, with everything that happens in your life, you, yeah. you have to try and find the, 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 the benefit of it, if there is one. And listen, there's plenty of things, there's plenty of days where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to crumble up in a ball and, and, and not leave the bed and be miserable. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, but that's not me. You know, I'm a survivor. You know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm a survivor. You know, I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to find what purpose this is supposed to have given me in, in my life and, and make the changes because of that. And I did it. And it's different. You know, it's different. Working from home is different. You know, being here every day with my kids is different. You know, there's days where I miss the, the complexity and, and, the, and the magnitude of, the, of my, you know, corporate America career and the people and, and the excitement from it all. But I'll tell you, you know, taking my son to, you know, to his getting his haircut today at five o'clock, I wouldn't trade that for the world because you know why? My kids want me downstairs every morning for breakfast to spend time with me. I didn't have that with my dad. I didn't even have a relationship with him after eight years old. So, you know, it, it's, it was tragic, but it led me to a, a different place. And I'll be very honest. I, my wife would always say to me, are you happy? Are you happy? And I would always answer and say, yeah, I'm as happy as I can be. Because I was never a happy person. I was content, but I was never a happy person. And now I can honestly say that I'm happy. Like I understand what happiness is. I understand what success is. I understand what truly is the measurement of success, right? It, it's financial independence. It's answering to people that you want to answer to. And it's, it's, it's enjoying being around the people you want to be around in, in life and in business. You and know? it doesn't and happen you get, overnight. You, you no, work no, for no. it. And it was, this is a good way for us to conclude. This is, this is the vision. And this is the vision that might be the most fulfilling for, for, for many people, which is um, in the end, it's not about, you, look, money makes things easier and it certainly makes life more enjoyable and it does make it easier to, to have the fulfillment and the joy and the happiness that come from what truly matters, which is what you're talking about. Uh, because at the end but of the day, just, the money can be gone, but you'll find that no matter how much money you've got, that doesn't make you happy. It doesn't, because no. you could be sitting in a pile of money by yourself. You'd be miserable. Correct. But I think yeah. it's also important to understand that the amount of money one thinks they need to be happy is different. No question. And, and, and no I question. think that people, you know, when I say financial independence, this doesn't mean that, you know, I have all the wealth in the world and there's nothing that can, can happen to me. You know, I'm not talking about that kind of wealth. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is a, a, a lifestyle that matches my income and that my, as my income can grow, then certain things that I may want in my life could also grow. But I'm not sitting here chasing a life that I want. I'm living the life You're living that I your have. life. Yes. And I think it's so important because especially for people that are in their, let's call it the twilight of their career, you know, where younger kids are coming up, taking those roles, where you're not as cutting edge as you used to be. And you're, you're getting to the, you know, the, the end of your, your cycle. You need to not be chasing something that may never happen. You know, you need to really respect what you've achieved and, and make sure that you can find happiness in that. And then also, if you want to push for more, 
find a way to push for more that's not going to take away from you living your life. Yeah. Because because I've experienced so many people that wake up at, you know, 55, 60 years old and they're like, I don't know my kids. I've never been to, you know, a baseball game with them because I've been on an airplane chasing a, a, a career to have a bank account size and a wealth size that is out of balance from what really matters in life. In, in, in my opinion. Right. And by the way, I don't know. And then they might find themselves saying, I don't even know myself. I I spent all this time chasing, chasing a dream or chasing whatever, because I was supposed to. And like, whoa, who who am I? What am I supposed to do? Like what really makes me happy? How do I even enjoy my life? And that's the truth. You know, I, I, I enjoy having less complexity now. I enjoy working on projects that I enjoy working on. I enjoy working with people that are, like-minded or that need my my experience or that I want to learn something from them, you know, but at their core, they're good humans, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I, it's probably just the age, but I like to work with good people, you know, I want to be around good people, like, I don't, I'm not interested in people that aren't genuine, that aren't authentic, you know, like, if I can't sit down and have a glass of wine with you and just chill and feel comfortable, yeah. we can't do business. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't want that. That's not at this stage in my life. That's not what I want. You know, I, I enjoy yeah. doing the things that I do. And fortunately, those things are bearing fruit monetarily. And that's, that's the goal, you know, to do what you enjoy and be able to make money doing it. That's the goal. But so many people get caught up in the golden handcuffs. They're making the great salary, they're making, you know, a good living and they're having a good life or they think, but they're miserable in their job, but they need the salary and that manifests itself into their life, whether they, whether they know it or not. Well, they're miserable inside. I mean, there's an emptiness. It's the other half of what you said, but what you said before is actually the more fulfilling part. I think you found it and I found it. It's what you said before. Yes, we've been fortunate enough. And there's, that's where some of the lessons are here. If you know that you've got this in mind, that you want to reach a point where you can spend more time with your family um, and have the freedom to enjoy the things in life that really matter, that's also, it's a plan. You got to make it happen. It's not just going to happen overnight. And that's what, that's what, that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah. It didn't happen by accident. I mean, you worked for it. You knew inherently that you wanted your children's uh, experience with their, with their parents, with their dad to be different than yours. None of it is by accident. And, and so, um, and I can relate with you on that. It's, it's the same thing here. It's, and so you, you got to know where you're going. You got to have a roadmap and, and you just got to, you got to get that mindset. Right. Um, I think you're right. I think everything has to be very deliberate, intentional and yeah. considered, you know, listen, it took me, from leaving my corporate America career to building up enough of a, of a cash flow to be able to get myself into a place that I was comfortable with. It took three to four, almost five years. A long time. You know, and it, it takes time, but it was a sacrifice I was going to make. And I love, I love business. I love companies. I love, you know, studying companies. I love studying business. So for me, this isn't work anymore. You know, this is actually enjoyment. Oh, yeah, it's fine. And yeah, and that's, that's, I know that's you're the beauty fun. of it, you know? Yeah, listen, I try to. When it doesn't get fun, then, you know, we'll go to the golf course. Listen, I want to ask you to, to, to bring us to a close by, I wrote down so many notes when you were talking, and I, I, I'm going to, I want to ask you, 
the, the, the subject of the show is five traits successful people have in common. You probably listed 20 traits. Are you able to just rattle off the five that just naturally come to mind? And I don't mean just successful money. I mean, successful people. You're, you're, you have um, it's financial, it's, it's personal, internal, you know, well-being and feeling, feeling good and fulfilled, family, all that. What are the five traits? I, th I think number one, I think you have to have um, really strong openness and willingness to trust your feelings and your gut. You know, you, you can't you can't be um, so methodical that that instinct gets wiped wiped away with uh, too much thought. Um, two, I think you have to be human. I think you need to recognize that in life, in, in, we are dealing with people constantly, and that understanding people and being a good human will make people want to work with you, work for you, or do, you know, help you to achieve. I think three is being, being deliberate, you know, and intentional with your, with your choices. You know, don't be afraid to put a stake in the ground and go for it. You know, I, I, I think that. four, I think, I think four is um, managing your own demons, you know, and Powerful. I think, you know, you know, you have to understand yourself because if you don't, nobody else will. And those demons, they rear their head. You know, when you're when you're when you're frustrated, you're angry. That demon, that, that's going to come, and you need to know how to you know tame the beast a little bit. And I think the last thing is just being being really clear on what a goal is versus what is an action. I think people tend to get Great. a little confused between set goal setting and actions, right? Actions to me are just tactics to achieve a goal. And I think it's important that people don't make the action to, oh, I want to lose weight, right? I want to lose weight. That's not a goal. That's an action, actually. The goal is to live a healthier life. Oh, interesting. Interesting perspective. You know, yeah. it's, most it's people will look at losing weight as the goal and then what an they action. eat as, as, the, as the action. Which, which again, would be, a, which could be a tactic to the action. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you have to kind of understand it. And then the only other thing that I would say in, in, in the kind of summing it up is that, you know, there's gonna be a ton of obstacles that are gonna come in, in the way. It's just the nature of life, it's the nature of business. I think the one thing you always have to remember is, you know, don't lose sight of the goal while you're battling all of the, the, the obstacles that come in your way. Because when it. you lose sight of that goal, it's over. You're now, you, you're gonna be a rudderless you know, boat at this point. You're just gonna be battling all the obstacles and never getting anywhere. Yeah, you're on a treadmill, so, you're just floating around in the ocean. Exactly right. You know, it, it's just really, again, you, you can't ignore obstacles to achieve the goal, but you can't lose sight of the goal when you're battling the obstacles from my, from my viewpoint, you know, and the things that I've experienced in my personal life and, and in my career. That, those are fantastic. And you gave us the, the, the bonus, the bonus one. There's a couple of things that I wrote down. I'm going to add to what you said that, that you pointed out. We talked about pivoting, um, you know, definitely priceless. You spent, you talked a lot about vision and inspiration. Those are really important things also to keep in mind. You talked an hour ago about ownership and accountability and not having a victim mindset. I don't know if you recall, you said that like an hour and a half ago. And, um, and I can't read the last one that I wrote down, but there's another one here, praise and effort. Um, the, all of these things, you, you covered so many things today. Uh, I knew it was going to be a great conversation. Um, 
And uh, I want to thank you for, for coming on. This is really cool. I think that I really do believe that a lot of the things that we talked about are going to help some people really find their, um, their own direction, uh, maybe achieve some of their goals. But like we started out saying, we just want to inspire people. That's it. My I think today we probably did. I think you certainly did probably today. I really do. I'm glad you, I'm glad you invited me. Digging in with Matt Rosenthal, baby. What you say? Digging in with Matt Rosenthal. Digging in. Tell if anybody wanted to just message you or something, where where could they send you a message if they wanted your your opinion on something? Um, they can just email me at Jason at thegallangroup.com or they can, you know, they can hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, whatever is more comfortable for them is, is either is good for me. So listen, Jay, thanks again for coming on. It was awesome. Um, if anything that we talked about today was inspirational to you or helped you in some way, please leave a comment down below. Um, if the more people we can reach, the more people we can help, the better. That's what it's all about. Pay it forward. And um, again, if you want to reach Jason, if you want to ask him a question, if you want some advice on business or anything, we will uh, we'll post his information down below so you can see it. And uh, thanks again, man. Hope we talk again real soon. All right. Thanks for the invite, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah.